For the past few weeks, we have been using this time to reflect on the family. And we have identified several things that really a family needs to have and need to be at work in family life for that home to be all that God intended it to be. And this morning we continue that theme and our focus is on discipline. To prepare us for the message, let's stand together and share in the reading of God's Word from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. As for children... Obey your parents in the Lord, because it is right. The commandment, honor your father and mother, is the first one with a promise attached, so that things will go well for you, and you will live for a long time in the land. As for parents, don't provoke your children to anger, but raise them with discipline and instruction about the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I understand that for a lot of us in here this morning, uh, we are beyond that season of life where we are directly disciplining and giving oversight to our children, but maybe uh, we're at that stage where we have grandchildren, but I want you to listen in as well. Uh, And for those of you who still have one's children at home, Uh, Regardless of their age, I hope that we'll say something this morning that will be beneficial. My two grandsons, Wyatt and Hudson, uh, who are six and four, got a new puppy puppy several months ago. It's a mixed breed that, uh, a little rambunctious mixed breed that they have named Moose. And Moose is getting into everything. And Wyatt and Hudson are learning that Moose cannot just be allowed to run wherever it wants to. There are some boundaries that he has to abide by. They're learning that uh, moose can't be allowed to jump on or chew the furniture. They're learning that moose cannot be permitted to bite them or any other member of the family or anybody for that matter. They are discovering the importance of discipline and they, along with their parents, are training and disciplining moose in appropriate behavior. Now, Hudson and Wyatt are also being disciplined too by their parents. They are learning that they just can't run off wherever they want to. There are boundaries. They are learning that they cannot jump or chew on the furniture. They are learning that they can't bite their brother. And they're already understanding the role of discipline, but right now it's, it's pretty simple. But over time, the discipline is going to become more sophisticated, and they're going to learn about curfews. They're going to learn about what is appropriate behavior at school and what is not appropriate. They're going to be taught morality. They're going to be taught the importance of making right decisions and avoiding bad decisions, uh, good behavior as opposed to bad behavior. All of that we call discipline. And it's one of the most important and at times challenging aspects of the parenting role. And this morning, if you have children, then you have a responsibility not just to feed them and to clothe them. That's the basic 
you know, minimum requirement. And you're responsible more for, you know, making sure they have access to dance recital or baseball games. You are the primary initiator responsible for the discipline of your children to steer them in the right direction, to help mold their lives, to help them understand the difference between good and bad, making good choices, not bad choices. And you're the key motivator. You're the key player in that regard. Now, you see, all these things, they are not going to learn automatically. Without discipline, in fact, they're likely to pursue the worst. You see, here's what we need to understand. That's why discipline is a spiritual matter. Why we have a sermon on discipline is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ. You see, when God gives us these amazing little creatures called babies, they are beautiful, they are cuddly, they are sweet, they are innocent, but they also have in them something that is potentially dangerous. And it's something that all of us have, and they were born with it. And in the Christian faith, we call it original sin. There is within that precious little baby, those precious little children that you have, a bent towards rebellion and sin. You see, it's no accident that some of the first words that children learn are the words, no, and the word, mine. Rebellion, selfishness. No, mine. None of you had to teach your children how to say no. Okay? It just came instinctively. You have to teach them how to say thank you. You have to teach them how to say please. You don't have to teach them to say no. You don't have to teach them to say mine. They just know it. And left unchallenged, left undisciplined, that original sin in all of us can lead to their ruin. And so dis- discipline is too crucial to leave to chance. We have to do the best that we can. But here's the problem with discipline. It is hard work. It is not easy. And unfortunately, a lot of times, people today sometimes will leave this responsibility to somebody else. They'll pass that responsibility on to the school or even to the church. But ultimately, if you're a parent, that's primarily your responsibility. It's important that we get it right. Now, there are all kinds of forms and styles of discipline. For some of us older folk, we grew up in the time in which spanking was perfectly acceptable, and that was the norm. Today, spanking's frowned upon, and parents choose other options like grounding their kids or time out or some other means of helping them experience the consequences of their bad behavior. Our purpose this morning is not to debate about what's the best or appropriate style. But what I want to do this morning is to offer some guiding principles that Scripture offers us to help us maximize the disciplining process. 
okay? And so the first thing I'd like to say is this, and hopefully you, you have your outline, you can follow along. According to Scripture, discipline, first of all, needs to be compassionate. It needs to be compassionate. You see, the purpose of d- disciplining our kids is not to break their spirit. It's to lift them up. And whatever way you choose to discipline, find a way for it to be done with compassion and love. You see, disciplining our kids is kind of like squeezing a bar of wet soap in your hand. The tighter you squeeze, chances are what? It's going to slip out of your hand and you're going to lose it. If we're harsh with our kids, if our response to their behavior is to respond with ridicule and condemnation instead of love and compassion, we're likely to lose them. Look at what God's Word says. We are not, as parents, to provoke our children to anger. If your discipline is done in anger, or if your discipline encourages anger in them, your discipline may be doing more harm than good. Many years ago, I learned a valuable lesson about showing compassion when offering discipline. Um, and I learned it from my dad. Uh, there was a situation, and I, some of you have heard me share this before, so geez, please just bear with me. Uh, my brother and I were four years apart, and uh, at some point, maybe he was probably 12, I was 8, thereabouts, he did something. It was obviously him because I never did anything wrong. He did something, and he got in trouble. And Dad determined that whatever it was justified a spanking. And so he called my brother Lawrence, come on in here. And uh, he sat him down and he said, Son, I don't like having to do this. In fact, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. We've all heard it. But he decided to utilize some reverse psychology. He decided to show some compassion. So he said, son, I'll tell you what. To let you know how hard this is and how much I love you, I'm going to take your punishment for you. I want you to spank me. And so dad took his belt, handed it over to my brother, and leaned over to get a spanking. Well, you can imagine... My brother was so touched by that, he started to cry. He said, Daddy, I can't, I can't spank you. I love you. And so he handed the belt back to my dad, and the two prayed together, and it was a real opportunity of, of learning the power of effective discipline. Years later, when I became a father, I remembered that. It made an impression on me. So I decided 
to try that with, with, with my son on one occasion where he had gotten in trouble, my oldest boy, about 12. And I, I said, son, I don't really enjoy doing this. Matter of fact, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. So, son, I want, you, I want to let you know how much I love you, how much I care about you. I'm going to take your punishment for you. I want you to give me a spanking. And I handed the belt over to him. I want you to know, I got the worst spanking that I had gotten in all my life. He didn't learn. So you have to be careful because sometimes it backfires on you. One of the most challenging parenting seasons of our life was when one of our sons was making some horrible choices. He was hanging out with some wrong folks. He was making some bad decisions. He was using and abusing drugs. I don't talk about this very much anymore. I'm hesitant to even do it now because he has, God's been gracious and good, and now today he is an amazing young man who loves God, who is an incredible father and, and husband, raising a great family. But at that season of his life, he was literally destroying his own life and wreaking havoc in the rest of our lives. I can't even begin to tell you how horrible life was in our home during that period. It was unbearable. And I was angry. I was angry at what he was doing to himself, not to mention what he was doing um, to us. Now, if my anger had ruled the day, and if anger had been the way that I chose to respond to him, I doubt seriously that we would have ever seen our son alive again. Because my anger, which was very real, my anger would have provoked even more anger. And it would have destroyed the both of us in the process. But thank God, and I mean that genuinely, thank God because I couldn't have done this. God gave me the capacity. He gave me a heart of compassion. And he enabled me to... For, to have a compassion for my son that was greater than my anger. It was compassion for him that I felt when the two of us boarded a flight in Atlanta to fly out to Montana where he would stay for a three-month drug treatment rehab. It was compassion for him. And a compassion I wanted him to feel. When I hugged him goodbye and turned, once we got there and turned and walked away and got in my car and drove back to the airport in Montana to fly back home. It was compassion for him. It caused me to weep uncontrollably the entire flight back and for about the next week when I got home. Anger, had that been the chosen way of responding, 
Anger would have prevented any of that healing to happen. At some point, if you're a parent, your son, your daughter, they're going to do things. They're going to cause you to be spitting mad and just eating up with anger toward them. It's in those moments as a Christian you need to reach deep into your soul and ask God to lessen your anger and in its place increase your compassion. Discipline that is done with compassion is far more effective than done with anger or any other thing. God's Word. We are not to provoke our children to anger. And then think about this. For us as believers, the discipline that we offer has to be consistent. Hebrews 12, 11 offers some very important spiritual insight. It says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Notice the phrase, trained by it. We are not trained, we are not molded, we are not shaped by random, haphazard, constantly changing discipline but through consistent discipline over time from someone who loves us and who shows compassions toward us. That's what leads to a life well-disciplined. Consistent. Now, by consistent, we mean two things. First of all, It means to keep the message to your child the same. Don't say one thing today and something different tomorrow. Say what you're going to do and stick to it. When when we went through that season of, of challenge with our son, We had a consistent message. And I'm convinced, looking back, that it was, to a large degree, the consistency of that single message that resulted in positive results. It went something like this. Son, we are not going to sit back and watch you destroy your life. We are committed to doing whatever we have to do to get through this together. Now there were times when I could have said, go ahead, 
If you want to destroy your life, have at it. We're done. And trust me, there was more than one time that I felt like saying that. But I believe it was the consistency of the message that we kept for him and with him that enabled him to be healed and for the family to be mended and for us to be at the positive place we are today. Keep the message the same. And then secondly, consistent means that the discipline requires that there be agreement between mom and dad. And you've got to speak with one voice. I mean, you know this. Any parent worth their salt knows that children do their best to pit us against one another. And they'll go to mom for an answer or request, and if they don't like the answer they get, they go to dad. And sometimes they're effective at mom and dad presenting two radically different opposing responses. Listen, if you disagree with one another as a husband and wife, how to discipline your kids, you do that in private. But in public with them, you make sure that you provide a consistent, unified message from both of you. It's important. And then third, Discipline that is most effective is discipline that is, that is Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Look at the passage. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen, the most important thing that you can do for your children is to lay a foundation in which they can come to know who God is, what God has done through Jesus Christ, see them, let them see living out in you a love for that God, an obedience to that Christ, so that they will hopefully at some point come to know that Christ for themselves. And nobody has a greater responsibility for that to happen in them than you. I would challenge every parent to focus on Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. That passage goes like this. What good will it be if a person gains the whole world and yet forfeits their soul? And I would say to parents, insert in that Verse, the name of your son, the name of your daughter. What good will it be if Mary, what good will it be if Stephen gains the whole world and yet forfeits their soul? You can provide your kids with all the world has to offer. And if you don't give them a spiritual foundation, you're neglecting the most important thing. Discipline them in the instruction of the Lord. 
I'm always amazed at parents who say something like this. Well, I don't want to force religion. I don't want to force church on my kids. I want them to make that decision themselves. Well, of course you want them to make that decision for themselves when they're capable of doing so. But at least use the years leading up to that at least giving them a a fair understanding about what that decision means. They can't make a decision about faith or God or the church if they've never been exposed to it during their formative years. Let them know about God. Let them know about Christ. Involve them in the life of the church so that when it does come time for them to make their own personal decision, they can do so in a meaningful, informed kind of way. I'm baffled at these parents who are willing to let the spiritual life of their kids be open, and yet they would never be so cavalier about other aspects of their child's life. Imagine a parent saying, I want it to be my son's decision as to whether he learns to read or write. So I'm not going to dictate that they go to school. If they want to stay home and watch reruns of Gilligan's Island all day, that's fine with me. Imagine a parent saying, I want it to be my my kid's decision if they eat healthy. And so if they want to have candy bars and sodas for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I don't have a problem with that. Can you imagine? They would not leave any other aspect of their child's life to chance, and yet they're willing to leave the spiritual life, the most important of all, to chance. You will never be able to completely keep your kids from doing wrong. But if you train them in the Lord, if they know God, if deep in their soul is planted God's word and they, at whatever level, love him, then the wrong that they do is not likely to overtake them because they have within them, if they choose to accept it, they have within them the power of God to lead them, to steer them, to guide them, to direct them into a positive future. Discipline them in a way that's compassionate in a way that's consistent, in a way that's Christ-centered. Nothing you do is more important in your relationship with your children. Now, I want to do something a little different at this point. Um, I want to ask all of the children, children and young people who are living at home, would you come, I want to ask you to come down here to the front for just a minute. Now, if you're 26 and you're living at home, you don't need to come down, because I, I mean, you get the idea, okay? You're still under your parents' discipline. All right, 
Boys, girls, come on. I, I'm neat. I see you out there. I know you're there. I, I, trust me, I'm not going to make you speak in public. I'm not going to make you do anything that's going to embarrass you or anything like that. So just come on up. All right. I want to ask you two questions. How many of you like being disciplined? Any of you? All right. I, I understand. Trust me. I understand completely. All right. Here's the other question. How many of you deep down, though, realize that you need it. <laughs> all right. We all do. So when your mom and dad discipline you, the last thing they're doing is expressing dislike for you or animosity toward you. The fact that they are going to the trouble to discipline you means they love you an awful lot. How many of you have been grounded before for anything? You think grounding's tough for you? You don't know the half of it. <laughs> grounding's a whole lot harder on the mom and the dad than it is for you. Okay? You don't like it, but you know deep down you need it. Now, I want to ask you to turn around and face the folks out there for just a minute. Now, this is a this is a great-looking group of kids. And they are good kids. And as difficult as it might believe, every single one of them has embedded in their soul original sin. That means that they are prone to do things to get them in trouble. They're prone to be lured by temptation and selfishness and a lot of other things that left undisciplined can accomplish their ruin. I think we'd all agree these are precious kids. They matter. They matter so much that God help us if we neglect to take seriously the responsibility to discipline them. You don't love them by withholding discipline. You love them by disciplining them. How? With compassion, with consistency, and in a way which is Christ-centered. If y'all don't mind, while you're still here, I'd like to have a prayer uh, over you. And we're going to pray for your moms and dads and your grandparents or anybody else who has that responsibility for you. Okay, would y'all do that? Let's bow our heads. Everybody bow our heads. Oh God, these, these young people standing here represent amazing potential and promise. The things that 
can be accomplished for good through them is beyond our comprehension. But equally, there is great potential for harm and great potential for their lives to experience sin, rebellion, and for them to miss out on a life of joy and abundance that Christ offers. And so God, help us to love them enough to discipline them, to guide and steer them in the path that leads to life. And, oh God, we just pray for the the, the parents that you would uh, prepare us, oh God, for this responsibility. If we've handed it off to somebody else, forgive us. If our response to to their wrong behavior is, is, is anger and condemnation, please forgive us. Lord, we want you to be the master of our hearts. For you to be in control of everything we do. And especially today, we want you to be in charge of the way we parent, we guide these children or our grandchildren or any to whom we have responsibility for. And it's in the name and spirit of Christ that we pray. Amen.